Praise the Lord. I'll get it done. Praise God. I'm having to get used to this physical ailment I have in my knee and my foot, but I'm going to be all right. Praise God. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord today. And uh, as pastor would say, we want to greet everybody in the Lord. Welcome to Harvest Point Church. God's been too good for us not to say something. That's why the Bible says, let the redeem of the Lord say so. Amen. Give the Lord a clap offering this morning. Praise God. I don't know if you saw there as I was coming up. The title of the message today is stripping away the old to make way for the new. Let me say that one more time. Stripping away the old to make way for the new. On Wednesday night, I was talking about the urgency of reaching the lost for Christ. And how many know that we're living in in urgent times? As believers, we got to be mindful that we are living in the last days and we got to shape up can i hear an amen because how many know that people need the lord let me say that one more time people need the lord just like we needed the lord and so we want to be mindful of the times that we're living in and we give god all the praise and all the honor and all the glory if you don't mind standing as we read the word if you can i know sometimes uh, your body doesn't allow you to stand. I can empathize with you. And so open your Bibles to Second Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, we're going to read just a few verses there, verses 14 through 17. Again, we're talking about stripping away the old to make way for the new. And like I always say, um, can I keep it real? Let me say that one more time. Can I keep it real? I'm just one of those. I'm just one of those men, one of those teachers that like to keep it real. Amen. So we're going to read in Second Corinthians chapter five. Uh, we're going to begin with verse fourteen. Amen. Let's read. For the love of Christ constraineth me, because we thus judge that if one died for all and rose again. How many are thankful this morning that we serve a risen Savior? Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh, Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Now watch this. This is the verse I'm going to be focusing on this morning. Therefore, if any man, if any woman be in Christ, who is in Christ this morning by a show of hands, you know for sure that you're in Christ. You better know. He is a new creature. He or she is a new creature. I'm going to say that one more time because I want it in your spirit this morning. He or she is a new creature. Old things. Somebody say old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Come on, let's pray. Let's pray God's presence in this house today. Father, we give you praise. We give you all the honor and glory for allowing us the opportunity to be in your house today. Father, we pray that your presence be known in this place. Holy Spirit, we pray that you have your way. 
Father, I am what I am by the grace of God. Use me as a vessel, Lord, to proclaim your word this morning to the people of God. Father, I pray that the ears be open, that the minds can perceive, the hearts being ready, Father, to receive this word today. Father, we declare, we know that we are in the end times and that the people of God should be awake at this hour. So, Father, I bless the word that's going to go forth. I bless the people of God that are here today. They could have stayed home. They could have done something else. But I bless them for it, for they have their mind on the things of the Lord. So I bless them now, Father, and we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Look, before you see it, it's customary here at Harvest Point Church to go around and say hello, greet the brothers and sisters in the Lord. And I want you to tell them as you're shaking their hand and, and greeting them, tell them, I'm waiting for the new you. Waiting for the new you. Come on. How many, how many are married this morning? How many are married this morning? Wives, look to your husbands and say, I'm waiting for a new husband. Husbands, it's your turn now. Look to your wives and tell them, I'm looking for, waiting for a new wife. Not literally, but spiritually. Can I hear an Amen. It's time for the new you to come out. We're living in the last days. It's an urgent matter. It's time for the people of God to come out of their closets. Everybody else is. Come on, somebody. It's time. So, so for those of you that don't know what it means to be a new creation, let me, let me give you a simple definition because the Bible says if we are in Christ, we are a new creature, a new creation. It means to be recreated. Stop right there. Can I go all the way? Crazy folks, we came to God. And how many know you can't stay crazy like that? If we're going to reach the world, I said on Wednesday night, I'm going to get back to my definition. I'll get there in a second. But I said on Wednesday night that sometimes we go, get so wrapped up in our own little worlds, we lose focus of our identity and our focus as a church at large. I said on Wednesday night that the church is, is suffering from an identity crisis. We really don't know why we exist. Why are we here? What is our purpose? Here the scripture teaches us that we are a new creature, a new cre creation. It means to be recreated and transformed into the image and likeness of Christ Jesus. Y'all remember him? Y'all remember Jesus? The lily of the valley? The bright and morning star? My counselor, my peacemaker? The lover of my soul. Remember Jesus? Yes. That's your destiny. We preach that. We teach that here at Harvest Point Church. Pastor says our destiny here at Harvest Point Church is not to have a bigger house. Fancier cars. Having all the bling bling. That's not our destiny. Our destiny spiritually is to be more like Jesus. Because the Lord Jesus himself said if I be lifted up. I'm going to draw all men unto me. That's why I said on Wednesday night, I'm, I'm piggybacking. I'm on the same avenue. I'm on the same avenue of Wednesday. 
I'm just bringing the cherry on top today. We're either going to be an attraction to God or a distraction. I'm going to say that one more time. As believers, we're either going to attract people to God or turn people away from God. Because how many know is all it takes is one episode. Well, one time when you blow up or you cuss somebody out or you throw something at somebody, come on. And you know how people, once you say you're a believer, a Christian, people are watching you. Day and night they're watching, your family's watching you, your children are watching you. So don't get mad, parents, when your kids start acting up just like you. You've heard that saying, the apple don't fall too far from a tree. One thing I know about God, he's humorous. He's going to give you a child just like you. And let's see how you handle it. That was for free. That was for free, parents. I ain't charging you for that one. It's having a new identity. As a son or daughter of God. Aren't you, aren't, you, aren't you overjoyed this morning when you even think about it? I'm a daughter of the king? I'm a son of the most high king? So, so think about this. We're talking about a new creation. How many, how many are really tired of your old self, the, your old way of thinking? I mean, have you ever thought about that? I was thinking about myself. I was thinking, I, I don't even know how people like me. How they can... Stand being around me. Because in my flesh, man, not my spirit, man, in my flesh, man, I'm a hard man to love. Hello, somebody. I, I didn't hear mom and dad say amen on that one. <laughs> I call myself and my family the prodigal son. That's the way I live my life. It's hard to love you in your flesh. Man, but when you get in the spirit, boy. So I, I was just making some side notes. You know, I, I'm a teacher. I love to teach. I like to define. So you're going to get some definitions this morning. Uh, but, but, you know, I, I'm ready for something new. I, I've been thinking about this. You know, I just turned 60 the other day. Man, I, and I don't know how people go to 80, 85, 90 I, I'm thinking, I'm just asking the Lord, can you at least give me 10 years? You know, at least 10. Let, let me get to 70, you know. Let me see the grandkids graduate from high school. You know, because your mindsets when you, your, your mind starts changing. When you get a certain age, am I talking to somebody? You start thinking differently. You know, I, I like to say, I, I, I'm tired of Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse games and ways, you know. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. We've we all gone through that season. We've all gone through that season. But I want something new. How many want something new in your marriage? Boy, I got, got kind of quiet there. Or in your families with your children. Golly. You know, let me give you some good news. God desires to make all things new. But, but here's the key. He's going to strip you of everything you are and everything you possess. I mean, think about that for a second. Is, un, is it unreasonable for God to ask that? After all, he did with his son on the cross. That's why I said on Wednesday again, those of you that miss Wednesday, you're going to get a little bit from Wednesday, that God did not brutalize his son on the cross for us to remain the same. Let me say that one more time. God did not brutalize his one and only begotten son for us to stay the same. God desires to make all things new. Somebody say all things. All things new in your marriage in your personhood, with your family, with your children, with your neighborhood, with this city, with this government. He wants to make all things new. Mm. 
But you know who the problem is? Yeah. How many has ever did a DIY? Y'all know what DIY is, right? Do it your own, right? A little project. Have you ever did a project where you begin to strip an old door or, or the cabinets or, you know, anybody? There you go. All right. You know, uh, was it easy? No. <laughs> you, you wish you never started that project, right? Because it took time, it took effort, it took, uh, you know, your, your hands hurting. If, if you have arthritis, it was extra hurting, you know. Uh, it, it just took, you know, sweat, you know. It took irritation and aggravation to finish the project. So it is with God. God the Father. In, 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 when, I, when, I, when I looked at the word you know, the, the, when this, this stripping process, in its natural sense, check this out. Stripping is the act of removing a certain product, a certain residue, a certain film from a surface, often with the purpose of reapplying a new product. There's a, there's a purpose of stripping so that you can apply a new product. In the beginning, it was old and flaky and, and tired looking. But in the end, come on, somebody, it was new. You were proud of yourself for that, for going through all that heartache and, 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 and your, you know, the sweat and all, you, all the time and energy you invested in that. Same with it is with God. You know, and I, and I begin to, you know, think that, you know, some, some, somehow, some way, we, we don't understand that God is in the stripping business as well. Let's, let's take a moment. Let's, let's do an introspection. Can we do that? Just for a moment. Don't some of us have some ugly attitudes? Some bad attitudes? Let's do an introspection. Let's, let's look in the mirror. Because there's some things that God is trying to strip away from our lives. Ugly attitudes, bad attitudes, ungodliness, Habitual sins, unconfessed sins, come on somebody, hatred, racism. Aren't there things in our lives that God wants to strip away that have nothing to do with Jesus? He's our primary focus. It's not your husband, it's not your wife, it ain't the pastor, believe it or not. Though we thank our pastors and leaders and first ladies, first families for being the example that we, we can follow, but they're not my primary example. Listen, Jesus is the author and finisher of your faith. That's why the Bible says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Nobody else. But there's some things in our lives that need to be stripped away. Let's be honest. Because you know what? God wants to make us beautiful again. And he wants to make us fit for the master's use. Listen, don't say you want to be used of God and reject his will. He's going to strip us because we are, we're, we're new creatures in Christ. He's going to strip you. He's going to strip me. And sometimes he'll take you back, you know, the second time around, third time around. How many around, how, however many rounds it takes God's going to strip us. Got real quiet. I hear crickets. You know, I begin to meditate on this, this, this teaching this morning. And I, and, and I started, I was looking at myself, you know. I, I started saying, what, what's delaying the process of becoming a new creature in Christ? I started meditating on that question. You know, what, what's, what's delaying the process of this this newness that the Lord talks about. So I came up with a few things. Can I share them with you? Thank you, sister. Maybe I'll just preach this way. You look so much better when you smile. Look to your neighbor and say, you look so much better when you smile. Can I share just a few? I think I got some time. 
Number one, the majority of people don't, don't like change. To be honest, we hate it. I, I, I came across an article that said that the majority of people fear change, especially if they don't understand the reason for it. And then they resist it. It said change often causes uncertainty and means pushing people out of their comfort zones. It said people feel more secure in their routines. Think about that for a second. We don't like change. But like I said, you have to change. It's not unreasonable for God to say, I'm going to change you. I'm going to perfect you into the image and likeness of my son. That's not unreasonable to ask. You know, if, if you're the same person one year ago, Five years ago, 10 years ago, look to your neighbor and say, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> you need help. Thank you, Sister Jenny. We need help. If you're the same person one year ago, you need help. You're not embracing the, the, the process of stripping. Number two, I, I made a note here. We make, no, we, we make little to no effort to renew our minds. You know what a mindset is? It sets in motion the direction of life. That's why the Bible says, as a man thinketh unto himself, so is he. How many, how many know what a mindset is? You know, back in the day before we came to God, on Wednesday we was already thinking about Friday. Hump day, he was already, already making plans for Friday. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to hang out? What type of beer are you going to drink? What restaurant are you going to go to afterwards? What club are you going to go? Before we came to God now. <laughs> we had this mindset. You know what? The Bible says that we have the mind of Christ. Think about that. That's deep, man, that we have the mind of Christ. Pastor one time says, we have the mind of Christ. Shouldn't we have a special closeness to God? Having the mind of Christ? That's why the Bible says in Romans 12 and 2, it says, conform not to the pattern of this world. That's what we did for years. Where did it get us? That's why the Bible says, there's a way that seems right to man. But in the end, it leads to destruction. I know that at first hand. There's a way that seems right to us, but some of us have to go all the way down to the end of the road to find out what was there. And we already knew what was upcoming. Because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Or, I, I like what Pastor said one time, if, if we all knew what you was thinking or what I was thinking, We'd have to call the police. <laughs> if you're from West Dallas, you say po-po. <laughs> the po-po, the DEA, the ambulance. Come on, somebody. Fire department, psychiatric ward, <laughs> the jailhouse. You'd have to call pastor. You'd have to call the elders. You'd have to call Dr. Phil. <laughs> Some of y'all Marvy Povich. <laughs> and might I say, can I mention my girlfriend, Judge Judy? <laughs> I love me some Judge Judy. <laughs> One o'clock in the afternoon and four o'clock later on. <laughs> and if you can't sleep, she comes on at 3 a.m. That's my other girlfriend. <laughs> Number three, the love of self. We love self. 
there's three people that I'm beginning to hate. Me, myself, and I. Those three people right there got me into a lot of trouble. I call them the three stooges. <laughs> Think about that for a second. I know I'm joking around a little bit, but I'm being serious on the other side. Those three people, I'm beginning to hate, hate, hate those three people. You limit what God can do in your life when you're full of self. The first thing Jesus Christ told us, the disciples, deny yourself and then come follow me. Because self is going to mess things up. Because we love to pacify self. We love to live for, for self. We like self to, to look good. Are you following me? But Jesus said, you got to deny it. And as I was meditating on, I was going to stop at number three, but then I was reminded of number four. Delaying the process of becoming a new creature. Man-made religion. Man-made religion. Man-made religion. Guard yourself from the do's and don'ts of man-made religion. Did you hear that? I am so sorry unto myself that I was exposed to man-made religion. Because it messed me up. It kept me trapped to self. Instead of showing love, mercy, and justice, I didn't show it because I was trapped in man-made religion to the do's and don'ts of religion. Guard yourself. Because you're going to stay trapped to self if you get stuck in man-made religion. Are you following me? Are you following me? Okay, so look. It's not all about religion. It's about relationship with your father. So, so let me, let me, let me, uh, I, I just know this, that, and I learned this a while back, that, you know, God's not going to ask us to do something and not reward us. God the Father's not like that. When you obey him, there's blessings. So in this process, you know, of, of, of being stripped by God, he's going to do it if you let him. And we have to. Because we have to become made into the image and likeness of Christ Jesus. You got to put self away. Are you following me? So, so, so let me, let me, uh, let me uh, talk about some of these rewards and then I'll close. I didn't hear a hallelujah on that one. The stripping process prepares us to run the race of faith effectively. Y'all know we're in a race, and everything that we do is of faith. The stripping process, when God takes you through the stripping process, some of you may be there right now, but eventually you're going to have to get there. Like I, like I said on Wednesday night, and I said it this morning, there's an urgency to this stripping process because we're in the last hour. Every two seconds, a person dies. Think about that. Every two seconds, a person dies. That's approximately 80,000 people dying per day. Think about that. And you're either going to go to heaven or you go to you're going to spend eternity in hell. There's no other place. Here's the urgency. Here's the urgency. The stripping process prepares us to run the race of faith more effectively. That's why the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, it says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but only one receiveth the prize? So run. Apostle Paul says, so run 
that ye may obtain. And as believers, it's not second place or third place or tenth place. It's the prize. Number one prize, first place. That's, that's the urgency of Apostle Paul. He, he says here in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, he says, Wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin. Because we're all sinners, for all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. But how many know that we're, as believers, we're to sin less, 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 less? Because Christ was sinless. So it says to lay aside every weight in the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. I mean, let's get real with it. What would you think of a, of a man or a woman that's running a 100-yard dash and you're there at the stadium and then you notice that person that's going to run has ankle weights on? Think about that. I mean, that's, that's such a simple illustration. But what would you think about that person or somebody that's going to do a long jump and before they're running to do the long jump, they got a backpack on with books and clothing or whatever in that backpack to do the long jump. What would you think? Let me tell you what I would think. That is ridiculous. If that person thinks they're going to get first place. Right? That's why Apostle Paul says, look, throw off every weight that besets you. That's going to slow you down. That's going to delay you getting the prize. Because the day is coming. Listen, I don't know if you know this, but there's a day coming that we're going to be before the judgment seat of Christ. You don't want to be before the great white throne judgment. I want to be before the judgment seat of Christ. And the Bible says we're all going to be rewarded for what we did here. That day is coming and it's coming quickly. Maranatha, Lord, come quickly. But we're all, going to, we're all going to stand before God. One before Christ and get rewarded. Do you know that right now that you're working towards getting a crown? There's, there's many crowns that we're going to receive from the Lord himself. And the Bible says that, you've read it before, hopefully. The Bible says that crowns are going to be cast at the feet of Jesus. Guess where those crowns came from? Jesus himself. I'm trying to stack up on some crowns because I'm not going to stand before my Lord and Savior and have nothing to cast. He's done so much for me. I'm indebted to him. My, my, my life has to revolve around everything that it, when it relates to Christ Jesus. Or thank God he sits at the right hand of the Father making intercession for me. Because how many know I need some intercession? I need someone to cover my back and correct me when I'm thinking wrong, when I'm doing things wrong, when I'm saying things wrong. I need Jesus on my side. Had it not been for him, I wouldn't be here today. I'd be back to my old ways. But listen, I'm, I'm on this race. And listen, this race, this life as a Christian is not for sissies. Let me drink some water on that one. It ain't for sissies. It ain't for the weak. It ain't for the faint-hearted. If anybody ever told you that this life as a Christian was a bed of roses, they lied to you. This is what I know about my Christian walk with God. It's one big war. One big war. And many battles in between. Many battles. One big war. That's why Jesus said, look, this kingdom is violent. And only violent men and women take it by force. No, nowhere did he say it's for the faint-hearted, for the weak, for those that turn away. It's a violent kingdom. We're in a race. It is for first place. Uh, how, how many got kids and they're in sports? 
I make those sounds when it, it just dumbfounds me when I think about it. You know how we put so much energy. We know how to strategically plan our kids to be the best. They, they, they say when, when somebody's competitive, how many want their kids to be competitive? They're playing football, soccer, whatever. If not, take them out of soccer. Take them out. Football. I'm just now I'm getting to my flesh a little bit. If your child does not want to get hit, take them out of football, please. It's 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 a contact sport. And don't complain to the coaches. Amen. Is that spiritual? Yeah. You know, they say when somebody competes, they do two things. They, they first execute a plan. <laughs> what you do, parents, when your kids get into soccer or football or baseball, you, you make a plan for it. Go buy the baseball bats, the ladies' cleats, nice glove, you know, baseball glove or helmet, shoulder pads, you know. And then they say they go into strict training. Think about it. They, they first execute a plan, and then they go into strict training. How many, how many of your parents know what that's about? It's not just one-a-day training, one-week training, excuse me. It's every day. How much more for the believer? Because, you know, the, de- the enemy has a plan for you. Can I remind you of that? The enemy's got a plan for you. And I tell you what, his plan strategically, he's planning for your demise. He comes to steal. He comes to kill. And he comes to destroy. That's it. He's accuser of the brethren. He goes before the father day and night and accuses you. Before the father, he hates us. Are you hearing that? He hates you. He is furious, the enemy, the accuser of the brethren. He is furious. You know why? His time is short. He knows what time it is, and he's wreaking havoc. He's pouring out his wrath upon people's lives. He's got a plan, Bishop. And if he can't get you, he's going to get your wife, Sister Jeannie. And if he can't get you, he's going to get your children. And if you can't get them, he's going to get your great-grandchildren and your grandkids, whom we love so much. So I said, here's our first step as the believer. Here's our first step. Do we serve God or not? That's our first step. Because look, if you don't want to serve God, don't waste your time. Go on and see what the world's got for you. Because I know firsthand what he's got. You see how the world is getting? And the people in the world? Been there and done that. One of my darkest hours of my life been in, in a bad, dark place. Anybody ever been there? And we thought, well, let me check it out again. So the first step as believers is, do you, you want to serve God or not? That's why I like Joshua. When he told the people over there, the God's people in the Old Testament, said, you know what? If serving God is grievous to you, let me break that down to layman's term. If if serving God's not worth it, Joshua said, choose you this day whom you're going to serve. He went a little further, though. He went a little deeper. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord.
Because he's been nothing but good to me. Too good. Too gracious. Too loving. Too kind. Who was like the Lord? Who was like the Lord? First step, do I serve God or not? Because he's never failed me. He's never backstabbed me. He's never laughed in my face. I'm talking about people in general. You know them. You used to be one of them. I used to be one of them. Hear me now. First step, you got to just draw the conclusion in the matter. Is it worth serving God? That's the first step. Then get into training. Like a true soldier. Like a true soldier. Pursue godliness. Godliness is all about God. Being like God. That's why the Bible says if we know God, we can stir ourselves up with the knowledge of God. That way depression doesn't set in. Discouragement doesn't set in. Wanting to get up, give up doesn't set in. Trying to cuss somebody out doesn't set in. Because we know godliness is all about God. And we're to be God pleasers. I'm tired of pleasing myself. It got me nowhere. We have to conclude with the matter. God is worth it, man. I'm telling you, he's worth it. God before me. If God before us, tell me, tell me, tell me, Bishop, who can be against me? The Christian life is not for sissies. Number two. What time am I supposed to close out, Bishop? 12 by 12? Thank you. I've got to watch up here, but I, I didn't know sometimes the pastor goes to 12:15. But he's the man of God. The MOG. Number two, the stripping process is setting us up to experience more of God's goodness. Quit saying God is good all the time. God is good, but come Monday, you don't know. <laughs> you don't know if that's totally true. Aren't you glad that you don't look like what you've been through? Ooh. Aren't you glad? You don't look like what you've been through. After all we've been through, I still see the goodness of God right here in this place, all over you. And I know if it's all over you here, it's all over your children, your families, your household. But God multiplies, He's got an overflow. Not only is it going to touch you, it's going to touch your entire household to the third and fourth generation. Psalms 34, 8 says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. You can't taste God if you don't trust him. Manny, you can't, you can't taste the Lord to see if he's good if you ain't trusting him. Get that? Psalms 107 verses 8 through 9 says, Oh, that man will give thanks. We should never complain, church family. I said this on Wednesday, quit complaining. It's a contradiction to a good God. If you say God is good, quit complaining. Bite your tongue. 
That's that stripping process. Bite your tongue and start worshiping. I remember one time years ago, remember we used to be at Marshall Plaza, Grand Prairie? And I showed up at church and I wasn't feeling it. How many of you ever gone to church you just ain't feeling it? The rest of y'all are lying. <laughs> we lie, God don't lie. He's not a man that he should lie. But I showed up at church, I wasn't feeling it. And of course, I was one of the ministers there on top of the platform looking all spiritual. And I really wasn't feeling it I, to the point where I didn't even want to worship. Anybody ever been there? So I just kind of leaned over to pastor. I told him, man, I said, I ain't feeling it. I think I'm going to step down to my office until I can get my mind together. Uh, I don't even feel like worshiping. He said, let me encourage you, brother. Worship ain't about you. The man of God was talking already. It ain't about you. It's all about God. And it doesn't matter how you feel. God is worthy of all the praise and all the glory. And all of a sudden, I felt his hand going up. The Holy Ghost convict me there right on the platform. Because it ain't about us. It's all about God. I like, I, I looked up the word good and then I was asking myself, what does it mean that God is good? You ever ask that? We say it. But do you really know what it means? And, and, and I found that it means he has no evil in him. That he cannot do anything that is unholy. Unrighteous. Think about that. Listen, if God was evil, we wouldn't be here. He would have got rid of us a long time ago. But he can't do evil. That's not his character. He can't do unholy things. Unrighteous things. Think about how good he is. His intentions and motivations are always good. That's why the Bible says that we know. Are you in the know this morning? And we know that all things work together to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. Are you even in the know? Do you have that knowledge of God that he is good? He's not evil. He's not unholy. He's not unrighteous. And his motivations, his intentions to us is always good. Boy, Well, number three, only got four. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I like this one. The stripping process will break you down for your breakthrough. You know, you always hear about breakthroughs, right? Here's, here's the true essence. The essence of true brokenness is becoming nothing so that God can be everything. You know, when John, when John the Baptist saw Jesus coming, you know what he said right away? This is what he said when he saw Jesus coming. Here comes a man that I'm not even fit to unlatch, to untie his sandals, the latches on his sandals. Immediately. And then he said, I must decrease. See, our focus has to be on the Lord. Because if you, if you focus on your husband and wife, it don't make sense. But when you look at the Lord and his tenderness and his mercies, it's easy to say, I must decrease so that he may increase. Isn't it so easier when you put your eyes on the Lord versus your husband, versus your wife, your kids, your families? Isn't it so easy when you put your eyes on the Lord? What? So Jeremiah 29, 11, this is one of my favorite verses. For I know the plans 
This is, this is God himself saying this. God himself. And he ain't a, he's not a liar. And his promises are what? Yes and amen. You know, there's over 30,000 promises in the Bible. And all of them are yes and amen. Are you hearing that? For I know the plans that I think. We'll stop right there. Do you know that God's thoughts towards you are as numerous as the sands on the seashore? I can't even fathom that. Right now, he's thinking of that way towards us. We are on the mind of God right now. And his thoughts towards us, the Bible says, for I know the plans that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace. He didn't say thoughts of giving you money, making you rich. We got to be careful that we don't become like-minded like the world. You see what they're chasing after. And if we do the same, how are you going to influence them as a witness for Christ? We got to be careful. I'm not saying not to have nice things. Keep it balanced. <laughs> Thoughts of peace, not of evil. To give you an expected end. You know how simple a breakthrough is? It's just moving where you are right now and moving yourself to where God wants you to be. That's a breakthrough. Think about it, your marriage. Think about yourself. Think about what's going on in your life. If I can just move from where I'm at right now, and believe you me, if everything's going good right now, praise God. But trust me this. Your day of suffering's coming. Your, 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 your day of trials and tribulations coming. Of suffering's coming. So, so you got to prepare yourself today for those times. Amen? But listen, but listen his, his promises are yes and amen. That's my breakthrough. That God's got it. That he's got my back. He's got your back. And thank God, listen, you know, the, you know people like to say I'm not, I'm not perfect. You know, they use that as a crutch to continue to sin, by the way, sometimes. But we are to move unto perfection because our Father is perfect. Did y'all get that? We serve a perfect God. That's who he is. There's no changing that. He's the same yesterday, today, and always. Somebody say amen to that one. Amen. I just think, I just think we're just a little stubborn. How many stubborn people do we have in the house? The rest of y'all lying. How many, how many stubborn people? I'm not saying, you know, stiff neck stubborn people. You got a little bit of stubbornness in you. Thank you. I went to the dictionary again like I normally do. Stubborn person is determined to do what he or she wants and refuses to do anything about it. That's all, that's all of us. They refuse to change their actions or opinions. And, you, and you've heard it before, you know, you know what sanity is, right? Y'all heard, heard the, the, the ghetto definition of it? Doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting change? Quit being stubborn. Because listen, listen, because I'm stubborn too. Listen, we're, we're going to live life, check this out, thinking we were so right about something, and in the end, find out you were so wrong. That's what stubbornness gets you. I ain't got that time to waste anymore. I've been, I've been reflecting on my life. I've been doing an introspection. I ain't got time for those games no more. I call him Mickey Mouse. I'm 60 years old and I'm still playing games with God and the things of life. I'm through with that. I, I want to I stay focused. I, I don't want to waste my life no more. That's why I was going to stop right there. But the Holy Spirit began to speak to me about this. Let me share it. This is my last one. The stripping process will open the opportunity to avenge yourself. And recover what the enemy has stolen. You know, do y'all know the story of Samson in the book of Judges? Some of y'all may not. Read the book of Judges. Check out Samson. 
he was considered one of the strongest men on planet Earth. And it was a supernatural strength that God gave him. And the Bible says that God appointed him at birth to defeat the Philistines. All of them, they were the enemies of God. And, and the Bible says, you know, if you read the story, he began to play around. He began to play around. And instead of defeating the enemies, the enemy defeated him. And, and I was just thinking this thought. I didn't even know this word was in the Bible. But I said, you know what? That's exactly what the enemy did to me. And the word avenge came up. Not revenge, but avenge. And I thought it, I've never used that word. Revenge, I know, pretty good. <laughs> I know what revenge is. Do remind my, my family knows that back in the day, if you did me wrong, I would say, I got you. And instead of waving at you when I'd see you, I'd go like that. That means I got one on you. If I went like that, that meant I got two on you. <laughs> if I went like that, I got three on you. And I'd be, I'd be thinking like Judge Judy does, my girlfriend. She says, hey, you slap me, you slap me once, shame on you. You slap me twice, shame on you. Sh wait, wait a minute, shame on me. You slap me three times, it's lunchtime, I got to go. <laughs> I don't want to have anything to do with you. I know about revenge, but the Holy Spirit brought the word revenge to me. So here's Samson at the very end of his life. And he says his last prayer. So I went to the Bible, opened up the book of Judges, and I saw where he said this last prayer in Judges chapter 16, verse 28. He says, And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me. I pray thee. Only, thee, only this once, O God, he said, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. Read the story. You're going to see why he said that. That's what his last prayer. He said, God, avenge me. Not revenge, but avenge. And I began to think, and during the course of my life, I made some very bad decisions. I lost all good sense of judgment, got into some bad relationships that left me hurt and broken by talking to somebody. Instead of forgiving, I held on to unforgiveness. I became hard and insensitive to my family. Bitterness and anger was poisoning my soul. I ended up blaming others for how I was feeling in my talking to somebody. Even at, even at one point, I blamed God for everything. And it was during these, these times, and most recently, I'm telling you, most recently, you know, I, I, started, I started to recognize how the enemy invaded me. He invaded me. He began to steal my joy, my peace. He, killed my, he began to kill my, my dignity, my self-worth. Am I talking to somebody? He began to convince me that I would amount to anything. That my glory days with my family and ministry was over. And he began to destroy me as a person. And I believe that, I believe this morning, some of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. So the Lord told me it's time to avenge yourself. So, I went to go look up the difference between revenge and avenge. You know, revenge, its primary focus is to inf inflict harm on someone. That's why we don't like to forgive. Because it takes away our right to get even. Because we, we, listen, we get in the flesh, we're going to get even. 
Christ never did that. Remember that we're, we're, we're to be new creatures in Christ. But when we walk in the flesh, it takes away our right to get even. But the word avenge, its primary focus is to bring justice. It's to bring justice with God first, to bring justice within myself. Because how many has ever been through what I've been through and you blame yourself? You blame others. And you can't get out of that. You're stuck in it. But God says, I'm going to bring justice. I'm going to do it. That's why the Bible says the battle's not yours. He said, it's mine. It's the Lord's. He says, I'm going to bring justice. Where you at? First with him, within myself, and then with others. And one of my, one of my favorite, favorite scriptures the Holy Spirit, and I'm closing, this is it. One of my favorite scriptures, this is, this is like, this is when, this is what bullseye on, on when it comes to avenge. Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon. This is justice right here. This is God saying, here's your justice. He see, he told me, remember this, no matter what you've done and whatever you've gone through, if you hurt people, if you offended people and they offended you, left you bitter and broken, he said, no weapon formed against thee shall prosper. He said, in every tongue, all those people that talk bad about you, all those backbiters, all those people that looked in your face and laughed at you and didn't care how you felt. And he says, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, thou, thou, me, shall condemn. This is the heritage. This is our heritage of the servants of the Lord, the Bible says, and the righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, avenge yourself. He said, all I want you to do, I know I got this title, Pastor, but I feel more comfortable with Josh or Big J. Or Big Papa. Or Big Daddy. He said, all I want you to do in this process of avenging yourself, take one small step of faith in him. So what he said, take one stop, small step of faith in me. And allow me, the Father said me, allow him to strip away those things that are holding you back from experiencing a fresh new start. Bible says, church family, I'm done. It says in the book of Acts that when the presence of the Lord came, there was a times of refreshing doesn't that sound good when you say refreshing? If you're old and stale and feel like, nah, what's life about? You know, ain't no purpose in it. But when you say, when God says, I'm going to refresh you, that doesn't sound nice. How many can say that does sound nice? If you've ever had something, some cold drink on a hot summer day, it was iced tea with a squirted lemon in it full of ice little packet of sweet and low and your favorite partner sitting right across the table from you smiling at you refresh God wants to do that spiritually for us today and all you got to do is say God and you know what I'm not even going to ask you to come up to the altar 
just stay right there. I want to pray over you. And, and you can do this in your spirit. If you want to take that one small step of faith, like, like I'm starting to do, because I need time. I need a time of refreshing, man. I don't know how much time I have on planet Earth, but I'm going to avenge myself. Watch me. Big Rich, I'm going to avenge myself. Okay? So let me pray over you. And uh, just one small step of faith. That's all you need. Father, we thank you for this word, for touching our hearts today, for being so merciful, so kind, so beautiful, for handing, having tender mercies, for giving us the grace that we need to stand when we fail. And Father, I believe that this word was not just for me. It was for everyone here that was listening to your voice today. I believe it's time for the people of God to avenge themselves. What the enemy meant for evil, Father, you said you're going to turn it out for the good. That no weapon formed against me shall prosper. That we know that all things work together for the good of them that love you, Father. And they're a call according to your purpose. Your word declares that the enemy comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Lord, you said, but I come to give you life and life more abundantly. Father, I pray that everyone in this house, it may not be the majority, but whoever this morning, Father, is taking that one small step of faith and asking you, Father, as, as Samson did, oh Lord, remember me. Avenge me one more time. One more time, Father, my enemies. I bless them, Lord, for that one small step. I bless them now, Father. For without faith, it's impossible to please you. And those that seek you, Father, you will reward. And the day is quickly approaching, Father, that we'll stand before you. Rejoicing in you giving praise unto you for you are worthy of all that praise so father i bless the people of god today may, may we may we stay focused lord that we are a new creature in christ and there's, there's that there's work to do father but i bless them today i bless the household of faith and i bless what you're going to do in our lives from this day forward in jesus mighty name